Hello, welcome to the Beggar's Cup, your favorite podcast, where we discuss pop culture, comics, movies, books, video games, whatever else, TV, occasionally storytelling, mostly from a layman's perspective. I think when I started this, my goal was to approach a lot of this stuff not as uh, the harshest critic, perhaps. Not as uh, the sort of hate-fueled stuff that sometimes gets traction on the internet as far as hating things just to be trendy. But also, from the perspective of somebody that loves stories that grew up with a lot of this stuff, reading comics and books and loving movies especially, and nah... Not being one of these super fans who just, whatever comes out, it's, oh my gosh. You know the people that I'm talking about on the internet who just, yeah. Had some trouble with the lighting there. People that I'm talking about on the internet who just uh, seem to, no matter what comes out, they just love it. They consume the content mindlessly and talk about how great it is. So... I thought uh, we'd do something a little bit different today, kind of. But of course, before we jump into that, if you need a D&D or fantasy-themed t-shirt, something super silky, super comfortable, simple in its design, and therefore truly artistic, Head on over to plus5charisma.com. That's plus5charisma.com. Get yourself a D&D class themed t-shirt. Help out a good guy who helps out us by being our sponsor. As always, Plus 5 Charisma. So, <clears throat> I'm author Nick Langan. If this is your first episode, thanks for tuning in. I thought it'd be fun to discuss the recent drop, I think it was yesterday, I watched it yesterday, pretty sure it was yesterday, of the first Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie trailer, give my thoughts on it, having watched it, and also just talk about uh, some of the good things that I think Wizards of the Coast has done, some of the bad things. Um, I tried to avoid gaming specifically as a topic, I'm not always going to talk about gaming. Um, anybody that's watched the show, you know Gail and I both really enjoy gaming in various forms, video games, RPGs, whatever. But <clears throat> I understand even now, stuff like D&D or tabletop role-playing games are kind of a niche thing. And I don't think that there's actually as much crossover between story and role-playing games as a lot of people would have you believe. I don't subscribe to the notion that playing a tabletop role-playing game is about creating a shared story in the sense of like we're working together to essentially build a novel or a TV episode. I don't really think that that's the strength of that medium. So even though that's a popular notion today. And so usually on this channel we focus on more direct storytelling related things. TV shows, movies, books, comics. But uh, here we have a rare crossover where there... Um, they're making finally their f well, their most recent attempt, not their first attempt. Obviously, 
The Dungeons and Dragons movie with Jeremy Irons is a classic. Uh, the best part of that movie is the behind-the-scenes footage where they asked Jeremy Irons why he accepted the role, and you know he said, "Well, I needed money." Um, hey, can't give the guy a hard time for uh, lack of honesty. But <clears throat> they dropped this first trailer, and it's called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. And so I watched it yesterday. Uh, plot details are still incoming. From what we can gather from watching the trailer and Chris Pine's voiceover, it looks like it follows a group of sort of disparate hero or you know uh, rogues turned heroes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, he says that they stole something for the wrong. They steal things. They stole something for the wrong person. Then now they've unleashed accidentally or helped unleash this evil entity upon the world, and they're going to try and correct that mistake. So it's got Chris Pine, Sophia Lillis. I am going to mispronounce this. Reggie, Reggie Jean Page, Justice Smith, Michelle Rodriguez, Daisy Head, Chloe Coleman, Jason Wong. I thought Hugh. Wasn't Hugh Dancy the bad guy? Hugh Darcy? I don't know. Dancy, right? No. Um, so, a decently star-studded cast. People have been in other things. Obviously, the, the, the main character is Chris Pine. He's also the narrator, at least in the trailer. It looks like he's a bard. And uh, I will say that watching the trailer, it didn't make me roll my eyes a lot. Now, keeping in mind... It, there's people that analyze trailers and judge this and judge this. Keep in mind, most of the time, when, when these people put out trailers or these companies put out trailers, they are trying to do a specific sort of marketing thing. And usually, when you're talking about these major corporations in these major studios, the trailer is trying to be as widely appealing to everyone as possible. That doesn't necessarily mean... And there have been famous cases of this over the years that what you get is going to be as good as the trailer would lead you on. I mean, most of the Star Wars trailers for the Star Wars sequels were pretty good trailers if you go back and watch those. But those movies, especially 8 and 9, were just horribly disappointing. So... <clears throat> Taking all this with a grain of salt, this is just one man's perspective as a gamer and a lover of a lot of this stuff. Uh, like I said, looks like Chris Pine's a bard. I think Michelle Rodriguez is some sort of barbarian. I'm not sure about the other um, the others. There's definitely a druid I saw in there. Looks like there's. Um, I'm not sure. Is that Sophia Lillis? I believe. Is the is a druid because she wild shapes into an owl bear. It was really cool to see an owl bear on screen. I'm, as far as fantasy animals go, hmm. as far as fantasy animals go, big fan of uh, owl bears. I think they're cool. It's just a cool creature design. So it starts off with Chris Pine's narration. You see some. We see some things about them in like a dungeon. We see some things uh, opening a chest or something, stealing some things. And we got a wide shot of a battle on a field where some sort of dragon flies down. It looks like maybe a black dragon. It's not breathing fire. For those that don't know, in Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of 
fantasy in that vein. The different colors of dragons determines their habits, their whether or not they're good or evil, and and what their breath weapon is. So typically, if it's a black dragon, I think it's acid, if I remember correctly. Something like that. So, we get that. We get some more shots of sort of generic, not generic, but just no context action in the trailer. Obviously, we're just getting something. We get some character beats for each of the characters. Like I said, there's the druid, wild shaping, and some sort of horn, I believe. It's like a red glowing horn that somebody holds up, and then we see presumably the big bad guy holding that up and doing something nefarious with it. It's there's rock music in the background, um, and it looks fine. But this is kind of the problem that I had when the trailers for the theatrical release of Justice League dropped. It looked fine, but in that case, it was Justice League. You had Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg. You had, you know, the biggest superhero team of DC coming together, and the movie looked fine. And it was, in some ways, something of with, with something that should be such high caliber being fine is, I find, in a lot of ways, worse than if it was like if they tried something great but they they fell short. Sometimes you can appreciate an effort that totally doesn't land because they've tried something unique storytelling wise or they tried a different a different take on stuff. That's kind of my fear for this D and D movie with, with Chris Pine is that it's gonna be fine. It they're gonna make it safe. Now I will say there's some stuff that I thought was interesting that they actually included. I think at one point Michelle Rodriguez opens a chest and it turns out to be a mimic, which is um, it's a creature that often disguises itself as treasure chest. And so it opens up and instead of there being treasure inside, it's just, you know, sharp teeth and it lunges its tongue at her, like stuff like that. Even the owlbear from the Druid gives me a, a slight beacon of hope that maybe they'll at least put some cool stuff into the movie. But <clears throat> it looks like they're going for a lighter tone. They've got the rock music in the background playing and Chris Pine narrating and we're getting the team together and we're going to, you know, handle this business. And and not that I have a problem with lighter tones, but I think that this is probably going to be, I think it releases next year, it's probably going to be okay. And that's kind of a bummer because for those that don't know, Dungeons and Dragons, there's so much great, there's so many great books and comics and and things like that. And I'm not just talking about, obviously, like the rule books for the game itself, but the, originally, everything was the Forgotten Realms. And we've, I've talked about it, and Gail and I have talked about it on this show before, the first season, but... The, f- the books, the original Crystal Sh- or Icewind Dale trilogy, starting with the Crystal Shard, written by R.A. Salvatore in 88, when TSR was still a thing. 
And those books were really influential to me growing up. Really more than Tolkien or sort of those classic high fantasy things until I got older. Because the Icewind Dale saga in particular, but all those books, were written with a sort of pulpy vibe. And they were just, they were easier to read as a, a younger person. Like I said, I really didn't get into Tolkien until I was in later high school and, and into college. But the 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 old TSR books were quick reads. They were fast-paced, very pulpy. They weren't necessarily telling crazy or, or radically different stories, but they were very good for what they were. And... Especially R.S. Salvatore, I really, I really like that first trilogy. Now he went on to do a bunch of other stuff. He actually wrote some really great Star Wars novels before the whole. I mean, obviously this is way before the whole Disney takeover and stuff. So when when Star Wars novels and things were actually good and considered canon, but the the Crystal Shard, I've thought for for years and years now, would make a fantastic either TV miniseries. Or movie. Be a little bit of work probably to get in a movie, but it could be done. Uh, and I'm part of that's just I'm partial to those miniseries or Netflix style shows. We have like you know, six to eight episodes. I, I just think that those work really well, particularly for novel adaptation, because you you've got a little bit more time to breathe. Um, even the Lord of the Rings movies, which we praise pretty highly on this show. They did have to cut a lot of things from those books. And, you know, if you had a mini series, I just think it gives you a little more room to be more faithful. Unless you're making the Wheel of Time, apparently. But that's a story for another time. So, uh, the Crystal Shard, I just, I've thought for years, would be a fantastic movie or mini series. And presumably, Wizards of the Coast owns it because they still have the rights to those characters. And,. And the universe takes place north in the Forgotten Realms in uh, Icewind Dale, which is this frost-bitten village and uh, ten towns. There's ten towns. All slightly different, all rough and hardy. But the Crystal Shard follows uh, a group of adventurers. You got Driss Duerden, who goes on to become Arya Salvatore's most popular character ever. He's a dark elf, but he is not evil. So there's a race of subterranean elves in the forgotten realms, dark elves that are evil. They worship the spider goddess. They, and Drist has come to the surface and is not evil and rejected a lot of their cultural ways. Even though being on the surface, particularly in sunlight is extremely unpleasant to him. And he faces a lot of discrimination, suspicion because most of his people are actually evil and so it takes a long time generally for people to trust him but dual wielding scimitars he's got a panther companion you've got him you've got Bruner Battlehammer who's a classic stereotypical dwarf warrior they take in Wolfgar who's a barbarian he's a young man when he's taken in in the beginning of the book and then grows to be this classic hero uh, going back to the the barbarian tribes that live outside of ten towns and reuniting 
You've got Caddy Bree, who's uh, Bruner, the dwarf's adopted daughter, who grows into a strong character and an archer, um, but a, but a strong warrior in her own right. Oh, and Regis the halfling, who is your typical kind of lazy but quick-fingered, dexterous halfling. So you've got all the the makings there of classic fantasy storytelling, but there's also some interesting things. You know, there's there's different political things going on in, in Ten Towns. There's different economic things going on. And a lot of the political struggles between the towns feels actually, having I reread this book every couple of years at least, feels pretty realistic as far as getting groups together with sort of a shared identity but sort of not um the barbarian threat is a classic thing i actually used a similar thing in in my first fantasy novel but you know the idea of wolfgar having to go back and assume kingship and take over to help and unite the barbarians with with the civilized folk the villain is a uh a wizard apprentice who sucks and but Ben ends up finding this magical artifact that gives him shortcuts to power basically and so the object is using him but uh, he is also benefiting and using the object and it's just it just strikes me that that would be just fantastic media it would take very little work to adapt it I'm totally willing to do that if anybody from Wizards of the Coast is listening I, you can pay me and I will do that because I would love to see that on screen. And you've got an actually diverse cast, right? You've got different races, different genders, different peoples coming together. You've got your classic tragic hero in a lot of ways in Drist. But you've also got, in in the original trilogy anyway, a more typical hero in Wolfgar. Um, it just would make a great show or movie or series of movies and for some reason Wizards hasn't touched it they've also got the Dragonlance books which from a gaming perspective uh, the Dragonlance rules and stuff that they had never really man people just keep calling me don't they know I'm filming never really particularly piqued my interest but the books are classics of, of that sort of genre and in and, and those, uh, especially in those early days. And, I, and there was this big snafu with the writers coming back, but then dis- Wizards just having some disagreements or whatever and boom back forth writing new drag- a new trilogy of Dragonlance novels. But for those that don't know, a lot of people have compared sort of Dragonlance to fantasy Star Wars in the scope and and again you you have uh just what seems to me to be just easy money right there adapt those books into a show or a series of movies you've got a huge built-in fan base in the genre already and i think those kinds of stories whether you're talking the icewind dale trilogy or the, the original dragonlands trilogy I think that those stories would do really well with people now. Game of Thrones kind of opened it up, and people were like, oh, fantasy can be cool, right? Like, fantasy can be interesting and engaging. It's not just weird. I mean, it can be weird. And so 
I guess my other concern for this new Dungeons and Dragons trailer is that I think what they're trying to do is they're trying, like I said, they're trying to mass market appeal. We're going to make a sort of fluffy, uh, fun, summer blockbuster type thing that's very vanilla. And, you know, sometimes that's fine, to be honest. Sometimes that's... Sometimes that's what it's. I got no problem watching stuff like that. Uh, movies that are just kind of big, dumb entertainment. That's fine. But as a as a lover, I guess of, of fantasy, and particularly as somebody that loves a lot of the properties that they've had, that they have access to, that have been written, it just strikes me as strange that you wouldn't go back and try and be making those things into TV shows, movies, whatever. It's everybody wants fantasy wise, the next game of Thrones, right? That's, I mean, we're seeing a lot of the struggle with Amazon with Lord of the Rings. They're just botching it because they're, they're simultaneously trying to fit it into their ideological messaging space, which the Lord of the Rings does not fit into, but they're also trying to make it, not Lord of the Rings, but the next Game of Thrones. Um, the Witcher on Netflix has strive, striven to be the next Game of Thrones in some ways and, and gets a lot of comparisons that way. I think Game of Thrones was such a hit that everybody wants the next Game of Thrones. And I totally get it. These studios, they want to make money, right? I mean, that's they exist to make money. They create quality things sometimes in their search for money. Oftentimes they create crappy things. But... I think that we should let that go, maybe. And I would, if I was in charge at Wizards at of their film, TV, whatever, the showrunner or like the sort of Kevin Feige equivalent from Marvel at Wizards, I would be trying to get a bunch of this stuff off the ground, man. I wouldn't just be like, all right, let's make this goofy, vanilla, big summer blockbuster flick fine if you want to do that too that's fine but you have so much stuff there and so so many good books set in the forgotten realms so so many talented people especially in the early days of tsr and and uh before wizards and then after wizards acquired all that stuff but you know there's just a a a gold mine waiting there, I think, that you, no one's, uh, no one's going after. And if you need any further proof of this, I think that the success of The Legend of Vox Machina, which was mostly good, even though I had some issues with it, but for, for a cartoon based on these guys' game, like, that again is a very was a very specific thing it wasn't i'm sure that those guys wanted to 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 whenever you write something you always want your story to hit a wide audience right i don't i don't write something and like well i hope this only finds a niche audience and doesn't make any money obviously but i also i lean into the specifics of the thing and and some of the stuff that i write is not for everybody Lance and Griffin might not appeal to certain people. Other people might like Lance and Griffin, but might not like something like Crowns of Hebron. Uh, I'm working on a kind of grim, 
thriller, I guess, with some horror elements right now. Like, that might not appeal to people that like Lance and Griffin. They just want dumb fun. So you can't always make everything appeal to everybody. You just have to focus on telling a good story. And <clears throat> I think that that was one of the strengths of Vox Machina. And one of the things that I think was really interesting about the story was less the finished product, but more how they got it made. And that so many people liked it that they liked the, the critical role in the, show, the the gaming show and stuff, that they were able to fund that project. But that should be there. There is a hunger for, for good fantasy content for sure. For a long, long time, especially pre-Lord of the Rings, not a ton of great fantasy movies. There are some stuff that was floating out there. But if I was in charge at Wizards, I mean, I would have a freaking Icewind Dale trilogy adaptation as a TV show going. I'd be trying to get Dragonlance as a series of movies. I'm sure there's other ones, but those are the big two that a lot of people know, and those are also those are also uh, my favorite of of any of those TSR stuff. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff with with Drist, and it's been adapted into some comic books, and I think Ari Salvatore is in total written like twenty something, twenty two novels, I want to say, that have that character. It's a beloved character, so like I'm cautiously, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I didn't hate the trailer, and I, I like Chris Pine as an actor. He's real charismatic. The rest of the cast, I'm not as familiar with. I only really know if, um, Michelle Rodriguez from, like, the, uh, she's in The Fast and the Furious, I believe, but she seems fine. Like, the, 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 other, the other characters uh, I cast, I don't really know, so I reserve judgment. But that was sort of my main takeaway from this trailer was, eh, okay, they're going to play it safe. Um, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of crazy action it's it's gonna try to appeal to as wide the lowest common denominator as it can, and <clears throat> it might be dumb fun, but you have so much there to work with, so much there that it just seems like wizards really can't figure out how to how to be successful with this stuff. It's almost like like. Sometimes they, they act like, oh, we've got the best game on the planet. We've got the best tabletop role-playing game on the planet. And, you know, you have to come to us. So we, we're just going to pump out books and this and that. And if we put dumb stuff in there, it doesn't matter. You'll still get it because we know we know what we have. But then when it comes to other forms of entertainment, sometimes I really don't think that they understand what they have. You know, in the Icewind Dale saga, in the Dragonlance saga... In some of these other, I mean, there's a lot of really great old TSR novels that because they had like actual other writers come in and gave them parameters, so I just fit in this world or whatever. But in a similar way that they used to do with Star Wars, like I said, with Anaria Salvatore or some of those books as well, you know, they would be like, "Hey, we want we 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 want you to write this," and I think a similar thing happens right now with uh, the Black Library, which is all the books and stuff of. Um, about Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000 and characters and stuff set in those worlds. But, like, you know, they'll approach writers who write other things, and they're like, hey, we really like this book. Will you write us a, a book about the Space Marines? And so you had a similar thing going on back then, and you got a lot of really good, solid stuff in there that would make for really compelling entertainment. So 
yeah, would some of it be a little more niche? Is everybody going to like the Icewind Dale saga? The Icewind Dale saga is is um, m- more of a grounded and gritty story in some ways. The Dragonlance saga is more almost like a, a Star Wars big epic. There's dragons everywhere. There's um, there's a war of of dragons. There's the healing magic coming for the first time. Like it's certainly that's more and probably would be more suited to the big screen. But I think you could have a pretty awesome Crystal Shard miniseries of eight to ten episodes following these almost like the way that Marvel did the Netflix Daredevil, the Punisher, Jessica Jones. Um, we won't talk about Iron Fist or season one of Luke Cage, um, but in that they had these characters that were more street level as opposed to, you know, like Thor, right? But Daredevil, he's just beaten up for the most part, human traffickers and drug runners and stuff like that. And he has to deal with the Kingpin, who's just a crime boss. You could have the similar thing with the Icewind Dale where you have these guys that are all, yeah, they're... They're heroic. They're they're maybe better than your average person at fighting or, or th- doing their thing. But they're not necessarily saving the universe, or that's not generally what they do. They do uh, in the first book. They save they save the world, but sort of because they're trying to save their towns. And you could have this this grim and gritty fantasy series. But you, then you could also have the Dragonlance books adapted into into movies say that were big and sprawling and fantasy and and more melodramatic so i don't know we'll have to keep an eye on it i'll probably see the movie when it comes out depending but i wasn't i didn't hate it but i wasn't blown away either and just every time i see them release something i'm just like entertainment wise or a snippet of information about entertainment or whatever i just think and you guys are on a gold mine. You don't even know. You don't. Nobody realizes what it is. And I think part of the problem is I don't know who's in charge of their multimedia program, but they bring in these people that hate the game, or hate the game's target audience, uh, to work on the game. So if they're doing a similar thing with the people on the entertainment side of the company who are working on these movies or whatever, I think it's with in in collaboration with Paramount. Then maybe these people just look at all the stuff and they're like, "Wow, these dusty old books. Uh, who cares about the lore? Or this or that. We're gonna do it." But but you're 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 foolish. You're throwing away a golden opportunity to cash in on a lot of the stuff that people have loved for decades. So I think we'll wrap it there. Um, stay tuned tomorrow for the Sunday special. We're gonna I'm gonna talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the World and. Um, I'm also gonna gonna watch that new movie, The Gray Man. So I'll probably do a review of that at some point, maybe for next week's Sunday special. Um, once again, head over to Plus Five Charisma, get yourself a T-shirt, support our sponsors. If you don't already, go like the Beggars Cup on Facebook and follow. Like us on YouTube, obviously, if you're watching this video till the end. If you prefer to just listen to my sultry dulcimer tones, you can. Head on over to any podcast place we release on Apple and Spotify. And uh, 
if you haven't already you want to support me head over to amazon and get my books we've got shadow of the dreamer and other oddities which is a novella and a collection of short stories two guys that fight monsters irreverent humor fast-paced very pulpy uh crowns of hebron is still available right now also on amazon or through barnes noble i believe it's a family-friendly comic five issue miniseries or a collection together in a sort of graphic novel format of Saul, David, and Jonathan, and stay tuned. We hopefully have some other developments moving forward here in the relatively near future. Um, creative stuff is often just a waiting game on other people, which is not my favorite thing to do, but it is what it is. So, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow, hopefully, for the Sunday special.